Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you're watching online, a big welcome to you as well. Well, I'm that excited about this morning. This morning, uh, we're going to be getting into something that I, that I hope is really going to help you. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but have you ever noticed that life just doesn't always go to plan? Sometimes things happen in life, and even the best laid plans, uh, they just don't pan out. It could be things like an illness or somebody passes away, perhaps. Uh, we lose our job. All, all kinds of stuff happens in life. It kind of spoils the party. It spoils the planned things that we had. And this morning, I want to talk to us about coming out of crisis. Originally, I had this message, and it was caught in crisis. And uh, our dear Carmel came up with some artwork, this guy, Dark Cloud, you know, he's caught in this crisis. And then uh, I woke up in the morning, and I had a change of heart. It's called the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't leave the poor guy caught in the crisis. <laughs> Help him how, show how to get out of the crisis. And, and so that's this morning's message. We're going to look at a woman that I don't know that it could get much worse than it got for this woman. She is caught in, in a terrible crisis. A, a crisis, by definition, is a time of difficulty. Uh, it's a time when you have to make decisions. It's when everything is coming against you. And her head must have been swimming in the crisis that she's facing. And this woman, she, um, she's amazing because she makes these decisions that we're going to look at this morning. And if you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter, uh, sorry, to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to, uh, we're going to dive right in and look at the decisions that this woman made that we can also make that will help us come out of crisis, not stay in crisis. So in, um, in 2 Kings, again, a crisis, it's a time of intense difficulty or, or danger. So right now we're in uh, a current crisis with COVID or Delta. Uh, and it's, a, it's also a time where difficult or important decisions must be made. So when, it, when we find ourselves in that, we're confused and everything else and asking, what did we do wrong? Well, these questions that this woman uh, asked and that she got answers for will help us get out of that. So these are decisions. In 2 Kings 4, we'll just read from uh, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. Now, that might not mean a lot, but if you go back to 1 Kings and you uh, read about the predecessor of Elisha, the prophet of Israel at this time, you'll see Elijah, and Elijah was starting to have a bit of a, a, a sook. He was having a pity party. He said, I'm the only one left in Israel, and, and God reminds him, no, I've actually got 7,000 prophets that haven't bowed the knee to Baal or kissed the statue. Uh, you're just one of many, so get over it. And so this man uh, that, that passes away here that this woman was married to, he was one of that company. He was one of the sons of the prophets. And he cry, she cries out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming. How many people have ever had the creditor coming? The billites are coming to take you away. Uh, the bank his creditor is coming to take my two boys 
as a slave. Now, that just doesn't happen in our uh, society. It's kind of a foreign thing. But if you didn't pay your bills back then and the creditors came, they could actually confiscate the most valuable thing that you have. They could take your family, they could take your children and make them indentured servants, if you will, slaves, to uh, pay back that, that debt. She doesn't have anything else. She's only got two sons left. Her husband's passed away. And now they're coming to take away probably the prized possession of her whole life, her two boys. She had a big problem. I, I marvel at this because the Bible doesn't actually give us a name for the woman. She's like a woman with no name. It doesn't even say a certain woman. It doesn't say a Hebrew woman. It doesn't give us her age. It really doesn't tell us anything about her except she's the wife of a dead man. That's about the best thing that she's got. She's got nothing. Are you getting the picture on that? She's in a crisis. She's caught in something that's uh, almost impossible to get out except for the decisions that she made. And what, what gets her out is what's going to, I believe, uh, get us out as well. And the first decision, it's the best decision that she made. It's also the best decision that you could ever make if you're caught in a crisis and you want to get out of it. She knew who to go to. When you don't know what to do, know who to go to. In other words, she asked God into her crisis. It's often the last thing that we want to do because in some respects, we want to blame God for the crisis. Hi, God, how could you do this? I guess God's teaching you a lesson. We, we don't tend to go to God and go, God, get in the crisis with me. Now, God's not into pity parties and not into unbelief. He's not going to jump into your unbelief pity party, but he will get into the crisis that you're caught in if you would ask him into that crisis. And she goes to the man of God, the one that represents God in the earth at that time, one of God's prophets, one of God's spokespeople, the Bible calls prophets in the Old Testament, they're called seers because they could see things. They could also see a way through the darkest and the dire situations. They were there for the kings of Israel and Judah to uh, prophesy, to say, here's the way to defeat the enemy. Here's how to get out. And, 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 and so she goes to Elisha, the prophet at the time, God's representative, question, who is the representative of God in the earth today? Well, the answer to that, it's you and me. That's scary. We are the body of Christ. If you're part of, of God's church, in other words, if you're a believer and you're in the earth today, theology, correct theology, says that, that you are the body uh, of Christ. Ambassadors, representatives of Him in the earth. Question, could people go to you if they're going through their crisis? Or are you somebody that is going to somebody all the time, but nobody could ever go to you? You see, church, we have a huge responsibility. We have a huge obligation to be the representatives of God in the earth today. And that's such a huge thing. It would be a, a, an impossible thing, a daunting thing, to actually take people that are going through crisis, that are going through tough times, tough decisions, 
times when it's difficult, almost impossible, like it was for this woman, they need a place to go to. The question is, can they come to God's representative in the earth today called the church? I would hope so. And that's our challenge, really, corporately as believers from uh, this congregation here. If you're watching online and you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. You are here to represent him in the earth. You are here so that somebody that's desperate, somebody that's going through a crisis, a difficult time, has somebody to go to. She didn't know what to do, but she knew who to go to. People in in our society today, it's like... uh, you know, anything but the church. That's the place where I'm going to get condemned, judged, uh, ostracized, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, And yet God's plan is for anything but that. And so she knows not what to do, but she knows who to go to. What a wise decision when you're caught in a crisis. Church is the best place. Somebody said, I just don't feel like going to church. Well, we do attend meetings. This is one of them right now. There are celebrations, corporate meetings uh, where the family gets together. We, We do attend something called church, but the further revelation is when you're not attending a a Sunday or a a Wednesday, whatever, uh, wherever your church meets, you're still it. You're in the community. We need to be an anchor. We need to be a lifeline. When we walk through life, when we're at work, when we're uh, working out at the gym, or, or we're having a family gathering with people that don't know Jesus and people that are in crisis, they, they need to be able to look and say, that's somebody that's following God. I think I'll go and ask them what to do. I think I'll get them to pray for me. I think that they've got wisdom to see their way through. I think that there's a seer, if you will, in, in, in my world, and they'll seek out the seer, and that seer needs to be you and me. That's a challenge. And so this woman, she didn't know what to do. We're going to read this again, but, um, you know, have, have a look at her. Her situation was, was, was really dire. She's, she's, she's in the worst place probably that anybody could be in. Husband's dead. Kids are going to go. She decided to get God involved. Here's a great key that your expectation or the place that you have an expectation will will determine the place of your reception. Expectation determines reception. So because she expected from God, she was able to receive from God. People go everywhere else, but people attend everything else for relief of of emotional crisis and and pain that, that, that people go through normally, naturally, when they're in a crisis. Look, if you've lost a loved one or, or had a, a relationship breakup or, or lost a job or, or you've got an illness, you need to be relieved. But, but the best place to go when you need relief has to be the church. I like to think that the best place somebody can attend when they say, I don't feel like going to church, Get yourself into the church. It's the place that you can sing your way through your problem. It's the place that you can shout. It's also the place where there's a people, hopefully in your world, where you can cry on a shoulder, get some prayer, and find somebody that actually is moved with compassion towards your situation. Perhaps somebody else that's been through a similar thing that can empathize with you. This is the house of God. This is the place that people need to go when they're going through crisis. 
It's the place also where the anointing oil, so to speak, the, the Spirit of God, it dwells richly so that when we run out of our own devices and, and our own assets and our own ability to help people, we've got the Spirit, we've got Almighty God that will come upon us and come upon that situation. That's why I, I, I believe, you know, church is the place that you need to be when you don't feel like going to church. When you don't feel good, get yourself into church. Get yourself into the place where God's anointing is going to flow, where you can sing and shout and get your way through that with other people. Oh man, I'm telling you, like if you're not stirred up, you got dead wood going on. She knew where her place of expectation was, and that will determine the place of reception. You receive from your source, man <laughs> or God. Go to God first got God involved in the crisis. People often ask me, uh, I'll, I'll, they'll tell me their situation, and because I'm a pastor, and they'll go, uh, you know, I got this bad situation, and I'm sick, or whatever else, and uh, my first inclination, not pretty well, my first response is, well, can I pray for you? And, and the number of times that I've heard this, seriously, <laughs> uh, it's not all the time, thank goodness, but They'll say something like, well, I guess it wouldn't hurt. And I'm like, well, it's not going to help either because you're not expecting anything. And your expectation is going to determine your reception. That's something that we need to get a hold of. If I'm expecting from God, then I go to God, but I go to God in faith. You can't be double-minded about it. The Bible teaches that. If you're double-minded, it says, let that person expect nothing from God. Yeah. You have to have faith when you go to him that he hears you, that he hears your, your request. It's not access denied. Never. It's not request denied. Unless it's not in your favor, it's not in your best interest, in which case he's going to do what's best for you. But most often, he hears your cry. He hears your plea. He wants to get into that crisis with you or that other person. And the sooner you invite him in, the sooner you're going to see a solution. I, I remember back in, when uh, I was in my, uh, you know, I've been through a few crises in, in my lifetime, but probably the, the biggest one was the, was the one that eventually led to me giving my heart to Jesus. And I was in a hotel in San Diego, in an apartment hotel, in um, about 1977. And, uh, you know, I, I was running from everything. I, I moved from Michigan, my home state, to California, to San Diego. And, man, like I was lonely. I was confused. I partied and done a whole bunch of stupid things, and some of you watching online were part of that journey that I, that I was on. You know, you know a lot of my history. I've got family and other friends that watch, and uh, I was confused. I was lonely. I was, I was in a crisis. I was in that hotel room just thinking, what, what am I going to do? Uh, I needed a job, and, and, and I prayed I said, God, if you're out there, like, you, you know, I'm hurt. I'm here. I'm hurting. Now, I didn't have theology. I didn't have uh, the correct response theologically to wh whatever it was. I just cried out. And God met me in that room, and he met me through a person that gave me a Bible. 
And it wasn't the correct Bible. Oh, the only Bible is the King James Version. Well, it was a living Bible. It was a paraphrased Bible. It had a message in it that was paraphrased. Still got a green-covered living Bible. And because somebody in the body of Christ, because somebody that represented God happened to be in that hotel and in touch with people like me, I was able to get something in reading that Word of God. And I do say Word of God, technically Greek and Hebrew. It may not have been technical, but man, it sure spoke to me in the middle of crisis. And I was able to cry out to God in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my loneliness, in the middle of my hurt. I cried out to God. I said, God, I, I, I ask you into my heart. I didn't, I didn't know the, the sinner's prayer, but I, I cried out to God. I said, if this book is true, then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it. I believe in you. And things started to move from that point on. But it was a God representative. And I say representative and representatives. Older women in their 80s and one old man in his 90s. And I was in my 20s. I mean, how, how, what a mismatch. But that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's supposed to be a, a young person reaching a younger person. It's supposed to be old, old people stick to yourself. Who in the world bought into that lie? I don't know what age you are. You're listening to me this, this morning or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. But whatever age that you are, that's immaterial. If you're older, get your wisdom engaged. If you're younger, get your youth engaged. But whatever it is, if you're part of the body of Christ, you represent Him in this world, get engaged with hurting, lonely people. Use that crisis as an opportunity to show the love and the compassion of God. So we find this woman. She's got a massive problem. She has no way to pay the debt off. They're coming. They're knocking at her door. In fact, they're at the very door wanting to come in. She makes a decision. I don't know what to do, but I know who to go to. So she goes to the representative of God. And then the second decision is she knew what she wanted. Listen to this. She wants to keep her sons. That's just that simple. As any mother would. There's no mother here unless... You don't like your kids for some reason. I don't know. There's some brats around, I guess. But, uh, you know, most loving mothers, it's like, even if the kid's in prison, the mom still loves the kids. Dad's different story. Is your son. <laughs> uh, not really. Dads are great, too. She wants to keep her sons. She needs hope where there isn't any hope. God always gives us hope. But he puts the dream before the resources. Or I'll put it this way. Vision always comes before provision. Now listen to this because it's really important because he gets the dream activated, the hope back into her. In verse 2, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The servant has... Nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. I like how many times that God or Jesus, the prophets, people anointed by God, when it's a pretty obvious thing of what the person needs, they still ask that question. 
What can I do for you? What do you want? I often think about Jesus encounters the blind man. It's pretty obvious what the guy wants. But Jesus still asks the question, what can I do for you? Hello? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. Why does he ask that? Not to identify the problem, but to awaken vision, to awaken hope, to get expectation flowing again. The decision that this woman makes to go to the prophet and then to tell him what she wants. She has a desire, but she's got no resources to fulfill that desire. She has a desire to get her kids to keep her sons, but all she's got is just a little vessel with a little bit of oil. And she even discounts that. She's got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing to give to you, God. I've got nothing except little. You know, we see this over and over and over again in Scripture that God will take your little, whether it's a couple fishes and some loaves, whether it's that little bit of oil, another woman in 1 Kings, I think it is 17, when, when uh, Elijah is there and there's a famine in the land, it hasn't rained for like three months and something, and, 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 and this woman's got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. The prophet comes, he's hungry. He goes, what do you got? She goes, just this little bit, and I'm going to go and eat it with my son, and we're going to die. And he says, well, give it to me first. Just give me your little. Give me your nothing. God's, God's an expert at taking your nothing but. God's an expert at taking your little and making it into a lot. God's an expert at nothing. And all that he asks is that there's a desire in you out of your emptiness when you come to him. He does not refuse you because of your lack of resources, whatever those are. God never knocks you back for a lack. In fact, he moves best when there's an empty there. As long as there's a hunger, if you're filled, he can't do anything. But blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Empty, you are blessed. So when you're going through a crisis, one of the best places for God to move. He shows himself strong. How? Paul says, out of my weakness, if I'm going to glory, I'm going to glory. Not, not in my strength, not in, in my ability to solve the situation, not in my vast resources. If I'm going to glory in anything, I'm glorying in my weaknesses. So there, God can show himself strong. He shows himself strong on your behalf. So many of us are so full of anything but God and a desire for God. We've filled ourselves up in this society with everything man-made, man-produced, everything to please men. And on the other side, we've left God outside. What, what, what are they going to do? Are they ever going to come to me? Sometimes that crisis is the turning point. It was for me and for many of you too. Where we run out. We run out of resources, but we also run out of excuses. And we see ourselves when we're not in a crisis. I see myself as what an opportunity to bless somebody else. 
that is in a crisis. What an opportunity to show that God is real, that God is strong, and that God really is on the throne, that God really does love hurting people. God loves every person on the face of the planet, but he shows himself stronger when people are weaker. What an opportunity. You've got opportunities right now in your life. Perhaps as I'm talking, you're thinking about some of the people in your life, some of the people that are sitting right here in this congregation today. I know some of your testimonies. You are miracles in progress. You didn't come to God out of your vast resources, had it all together, come in just to attend a meeting or something. You came in broken. You came in empty. You came in sick. You came in hurting. And God met you right there. And a group of people that represent him met you right there. And because of that, you fell in love with the living God and his church. God save us for making church some kind of an event, some kind of an entertainment-fueled thing. What do you want? What do you want? What can I do for you? Not what is your problem. I want to get hope back into you. And to do that, I've got to ask that question. What do you want? It says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Ah, (laughs) but a dream. But, but, but a dream, what do you want? What are you expecting, in other words? But a dream fulfilled becomes a tree of life. How good is it when God gets your expectation going? Are you too discouraged to dream again? You've got to let God fuel that dream and get it going again. Get the fire burning again. Second Chronicles 16 uh, nine basically says this. It says, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth. Uh, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, the translation says, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed, not halfway. Now, I'm going to go over here and maybe I'll go over there if, the, if the men don't, don't help me and this doesn't men, Whose hearts are fully committed to him. My answer to that is look no further, God. My heart is fully on fire and committed to him. Third thing, third decision that she made is she knew what she had in her house. So he asked her, what do you have? In other words, let's take an inventory of what you got. A lot of us, I I just noticed this, people have a great, they, they know how to take an inventory, but they take the wrong inventory. They take an inventory of all their problems, of all their dysfunctions, especially in this society that we're in today. They know. Oh, they've got the list of everything that's wrong with them, of every excuse on why it's wrong with them. And it's like society is fueling that. It's okay, yeah, tell us more. Let's get the list even longer. And let's just label you while we're at it. Let's just permanently tattoo you with your dysfunctional list of resources on why you are the way that you are so that you can stay there. You can stay on the side of the road blind and begging. Let the creditors come and take your kids away because it'll even make the list even longer. You'll even have a bigger excuse or a bigger reason to sit there 
It's not resources, as in dysfunctions and excuses and obstacles and problems. God's not into that inventory. He knows that. But he wants to take a, an inventory. He wants you to look at what have you actually got? I, I would use this scripture every chance I could preach. Pretty well do. First Thessalonians 5, I think it's 17 or 21, you know. In everything, not for everything, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you. I don't know what God's will is. In everything, in that crisis, give thanks, not for the crisis, but in that crisis, look at what God's done for you. You're still breathing. You've still got something going on, even if it's just a little. God will take that little and he'll turn that thing around and he will multiply that resource, whatever it is that you got going, even if it's a nothing but. You got a nothing but going on. The woman doesn't even get called a name of any kind. She's living out of lack. But she's not dwelling on taking an inventory of offenses. You know, the reason I don't go down there when I feel bad to that church is because that's where they offended me. The hurts, the disappointment, the bills. She's not taking an inventory. He's not asking her to identify those things. He's basically asking her, let's just look at what you do have. What is that little bit? What do you have in your house? God never places have before want. I said that before, but he never puts or prioritizes your resources before vision. Again, he doesn't put provision first. He puts vision first. How is that? Vision, what do you want? What can I do for you? Vision first. Then second question, what do you have in your house? Provision. Second. Vision comes first. Provision flows into vision. When you have hope, when you have an expectation, if you're in business and you don't have a vision, and you don't have a business plan, and you're not looking at a, a target market or something, and you're just looking at your resource, you're going to put your resources first and go, oh, I don't have anything. Do you have a vision and a dream for that business? Put it first. Put it out there. And then the plan and the resources will flow in behind that. In your life, it's not resources first. Take an inventory of what you don't have, and then we'll look and see what you can do. No, when you go to God, he says, what's that vision? What's your hope? What do you want? I want my boys back. Okay. What do you want? Vision. I want hope that my boys are going to... Great. Let's just start there. Now, what do you have? You go to a financial planner, they're going to ask you those questions. What have you got? And then before that, they're going to say, well, well when do you want to retire? What do you, what's your vision? What's your hope? Do you want to travel in retirement? Do you want to, you know, what do you want to do? Pay your house? What do you want to do? What's your vision? And then let's just look at what you got. Let's rearrange it and let's see if, what you have enough for. And then God comes in and goes, okay, you don't have a lot. A little bit of oil. I don't know if you eat it, a little bit of oil, it's not going to wear real well in your stomach, perhaps. I don't know. What's it going to do for you? But let's just look at that and let's look at what God can do and multiply that. What do you want? What do you have? And so she looks at that 
And she, she gets the vision flowing. The provision starts to flow toward the vision, the inventory of what you have. So many people are blinded by negativity. There's never nothing in the house. There's always something. So what have you counted God out that God wants to count in? God wants you nothing but. But you must be eligible. You must be empty to be eligible. Because God will take, in God's economy, little is much. In God's economy, small is often the big. Fish and loaves is vessels of water for wine. Number four, the fourth decision. She makes preparation according to her expectation. Make preparations according to your expectation. Prepare for the answer. One word for that is faith. Faith is the confidence of things what? Hope for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's a substance of things hoped for. You make preparation based on expectation called faith. Somebody goes, well, I really believe it's going to rain today. Okay. Now look out in the parking lot. The car's sitting out there and the windows are down. I don't think you really believe it's going to roll. Yeah, I, you know, I just believe, I believe in God. Okay, that's, that's, that's awesome. Why don't you roll your windows up if you really think it's going to rain? If you really are expecting God to come through in something, then, then your expectation must result in a plan. Somehow, what you're expecting has to become reality. And you make your plans according to what you're expecting. Do you understand that? And so, she has to make preparation according to expectation. Prepare for the answer. In verse 3, listen to this. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Why? Because you're expecting to sell the oil and you're expecting to get out of debt, you're expecting to get your boys back, that little bit of oil is not going to cut it, woman. We need to get a lot of oil. Right now, oil is going for $450 uh, an ounce or something, whatever it is, uh, you know, in her day. And, and if we sell this, you know, we could get out of debt. We could set you up. But what is your expectation? Let's make plans or preparation based on expectation. So to determine the magnitude of the miracle, few or many, we've got to put something into it. We've got to put, put a plan in place. So he tells the woman who's already in debt. If you read this in the King James Version, I laughed. He tells a woman that's in debt to go borrow. What? Another translation doesn't say borrow, but go and ask. Go and ask all your neighbors for their empty vessels. Go and, go and borrow. She's not going to get to keep these vessels. They were probably worth a lot back in those days. You're going to have to use these things and give them back. Now, this speaks a lot into what the church is about, what we need to be doing. And that is, don't be afraid to ask somebody for help. I, I see a difference between the older generation and this generation, the younger generation. The older generation is like, doesn't matter how bad it gets, they'll say something like, uh, I don't want to be a burden. 
Now, I just don't want to be a burden. I was talking with somebody. I heard a story the other day. Um, they went to the hospital. or They tried to get this person that, <laughs> to go to the hospital. It's like, now I don't want to be a burden. And then whoever it was I was talking to, and they pulled out a wad of money to pay the hospital bill when they finally got there because they were seriously sick. It's like the person said to them, no, the hospital doesn't take cash. And over here, it's provided for. We've got a great health care system with Medicare and bulk billing and all of that. So put your money. But I don't want to be a burden, this old person said. I think they were like 95 years old or something. I don't want to be a burden. And so we don't want to ask anybody for help. Look, when you're in a crisis, put your hand up. Say, I'm going to die if I don't get some food. I'm in a crisis. I need help. The least that somebody that loves and has compassion is going to do is to pray for you, which is awesome because that's asking God into the situation or the crisis. Go and borrow. Go and ask your neighbors for vessels. And listen to the response, verse 4. Then go inside and shut the door behind you. Sometimes you got to shut the door to negativity, unbelief, everybody's opinion that's contrary to the God, because somebody will work a plan out for you that's not according to expectation and faith in God's plan, and you don't want that. You've got to shut the door. She shuts the door behind her. You and your sons pour oil into all the jars as each is filled. Put it to one side. And she left him and shut the door behind her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept on pouring. The lesson here is this. Don't diagnose it. Don't just sit there diagnosing it. Do it. Get the Nike tick. Whatever it is that the, the person of God, tell, whatever it is they tell you to do, even if it doesn't make sense, even if somebody else has got some other opinion on the deal, do what God tells you to do. Just do it. Several years ago, I was in New Zealand, and I um, was preaching in this particular town outside of Auckland. And I was staying with a couple named Mark and Loma Page. I'll never forget that name ever, a younger couple. And I think it was in Elam Church. Anyway, I'd arrived pretty tired. They put me up that night, slept. In the morning, got up, had some breakfast. And they said, look, it's Saturday. You don't have to preach till tomorrow. So what do you want to do today? And I said, oh, I don't know. Like, what's there to do? Horseback riding around. You can, uh, we've got somebody that has a paddock out there with some horses. I thought, yeah, okay, I can, I can do that. And so we got in their car, and we drove, and we're talking, only just getting to meet this couple, because uh, like I said, I flew in that evening on Saturday. And uh, in the midst of the conversation and talking about all the things of God, the good things and everything else, we're taking turns on country roads, and we get to the, the stables where the uh, horses were, and they said, okay, you know, there's the horses, there's the, the bridles, all that stuff. Uh, you know, we've got things to do today, uh, so we'll just leave you to it. And I thought, okay, we can do that. And so you can make your way 
back to the house whenever you're finished. Uh, there were no mobile phones back in that day, so it wasn't like, hey, I'll call you. Uh, no, that wasn't going to happen. They didn't give a time to come and pick me up. And so in my thinking, it's like, well, the house can't be that far away if they want me to walk back to the house. Anyway, got the horse saddled, went for a ride, uh, you know, around the paddock and that kind of thing. Took the horse off, brushed him, did what, what, you, what every good person that's a horse lover, which I'm not, but anyway, does to horses. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, the sun was kind of getting low in the sky, and I think it was winter. And anyway, I thought I better, I better make my way back to their house. So I walk out onto the road, and I'm thinking, did we turn right into this, or did we turn left? I thought, well... I think it was, and it, my wife knows me real well, I am incredibly directionally dysfunction. <laughs> like seriously, like we go to Brownie's house on Wednesday night's dinner party and I'm always asking, is this the exit we take? It's like, are you serious? Like, yes, I am serious, I've missed it that many times. <laughs> it's like, you should know your way there. I don't, I don't know why. I just don't have it. <laughs> so, that's why Google Maps and all that stuff is fantastic. So I, I made a left or whatever it was, and I'm walking, 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 and I'm thinking, well, none of this looks familiar because I was not paying attention. Even if I had been paying attention, it still would have been a very hard gig for me to get back to their house. But I, had no, I, I, I paid no attention. We were enjoying each other's company, and I had a, a good ride around with the, with the pony that doesn't throw you off kind of horse. You know, it's a good horse. Don't worry about it. It's never killed anybody yet. We trust that horse with all the kids. Okay, that's the horse for me. Uh, going around. <laughs> and, and I reached a point where I'm thinking, man, I've walked at least a half an hour. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. I better go back. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll go back, walk all the way back down the road, see the same place. I'm thinking, okay, I must have I must go right this time. So I went right, or wherever it was, and I walked and walked, probably at least as, as long as I'd gone the other way. And now the sun's really, got, it's gone down in the sky. It's getting cold. And I honestly had, had no uh, coat or any preparation at all. And I'm thinking, I got to preach tomorrow, and I'm starting to get tight. I'm thinking, oh, this is just bad. Like, this is going to wreck tomorrow. And I don't know where I'm at. So then I invited God into the crisis. God, I don't know what to do. And I had a, uh, the, the road came to a T-section, so I had another left or right situation. And I'm thinking I got 50-50 on this, but I got the 50-50 before wrong. And if I get this 50-50 wrong, well, it's really going to go wrong. Again, no, no phone. But I cried out to God. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I have no idea where I'm at, and it's getting dark. And, and I, I, I prayed. And when I opened my eyes, there was a little puppy, a little dog. And he would have been maybe um, three, four yards away from me, wagging his tail, tongue out. He had a big smile on his face. You can read dogs. Yeah, you know, like, what, what, what's this? 
And I would take a step, and the dog would take a step away from me. He, he didn't come up, come on, boy, pet him. He would, every step I took, he'd take a step. Immediately, my mind went off into, this is ridiculous. I prayed. God doesn't send dogs. He sends angels, or he sends a prophet, or he, you know, call Mark and Loma Page to come back and pick me up or something, but uh, not a dog. But I was so desperate. Sometimes in a crisis, desperation has to hit your heart or your head. God, I'm going to have to take this as the answer to prayer, this dog. And so I did. I would just keep walking. The dog would keep walking like, come on, follow me. Come on. And I'm like, okay. Came to, there was a house and it had a big hedge and a long driveway. And the guy was out there cutting the, uh, the hedge. And, I, and the dog turned in there. And I thought, well, <laughs> I'm going all the way with this dog thing. So, you know, I'll go and see what's up with this guy. And then as I'm approaching him, my mind started to come into all these thoughts. Like, what are you going to tell the guy? And I was fresh off, you know, really not that far out of America. My accent right now you would say is American, but it was really American back then. <laughs> I had a really strong accent. And I thought, well, they probably think Americans are wacky and don't you say anything if you're here, uh, as it is. And so I walked up and he goes, can I help you? He's caught in the hedge. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm lost. And he goes, well, what are you looking for? I so, well, all I know is I'm looking for this house and this couple, Mark and Loma. And he's like looking at me like, well, what's the address? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what's the house look like? Uh, I don't know. I, I had zero, no information to give the guy. And then I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this to him? So I just did it. I just told him a story. I just said, you know, we got to talking and, you know, we're driving away from the house. I paid no attention at all. And, and I don't have a number for these guys. I just got, I just remember their names. I didn't even remember their last name was Paige. I just, for some reason, the, the, the first name stuck. Thank goodness for my ability to remember names sometimes, not very often. And, uh, and he goes, well, my son, has some friends by, that, by the name of Mark and Loma. He says, let me go in and call him. So he does, and they show up. Long story short, they pick me up, and they drive me to their friends Mark and Loma's house, and out in the front yard was a group of people wondering where this American evangelist had gotten to. They're out there wondering whether to call the police or the missing persons thing because it was dark by now and it was cold. He should have been back here by now. Where is he? When we drove up, it was like they're laughing. It's like, what happened to you? They actually drove back to the horse place, to the paddock, saw the horse was all, you know, fine. The saddle was back where it belonged, and, but no Ed. And, uh, you know, they were really, really relieved. I, would, I was really, really relieved. My point is this. Whatever, the, the, whatever God says to do, no matter how silly or stupid it is, just do it. Take and get these vessels in. As many as you get. Shut the door. Start to pour. Shut the door. Start to pour. Be obedient. No matter how dumb, just do it. And watch what God does. 
in your situation. We're going to finish up, and I'd like the uh, worship team to come back up, thanks, because we're just about out of time. And uh, when all the jars, verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. Sounds like somebody at the pub. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. She became empty. She became full. Full in God's economy isn't just full. It's overflow. You come to God empty. You leave full every time. You come to God worried. You leave with wisdom every time. You come to God wanting. You leave wealthy. It's time for your miracle. The oil is looking for a vessel. Your miracle is looking for a vessel. God is good. He's great at turning nothing into something. He took the earth, which, which, which was without form and void, and that same spirit, the oil, started to pour, and God created something called the earth, which was full of fruit and full of water and full of everything, every good thing. So I want you this morning... I'd like you to stand, thank you. God's looking for empty vessels to fill this morning. If you're watching online, you can get in a posture to be filled. A lot of times, we talk ourselves out of the miracle because we know we're just clay vessels because we know that we're flawed earthen vessels. And God knows that you're flawed. God knows that you're just a vessel that came from the earth. Your body is made up of mostly minerals and water. It's about all that you are. Outside of the spirit and the soul that lives on the inside of you, you're flawed. All of us are flawed earthen vessels. But God just wants two things out of you. The first thing is that you're empty because He can't fill full. So if you're empty and you're here this morning or you're watching online, you are a candidate for God to do a miracle in your crisis. Are you empty enough for, uh, for, for God to put something into that clay vessel? Are you empty enough for God to fill you with His oil, a type of the Holy Spirit? Are you empty enough? Would you be willing to get empty enough so that God can pour and keep on pouring until what's in you overflows and the goodness of God is able to grace other people's lives? The second thing is God doesn't fill dirty vessels. You might be made out of clay in an earthen vessel, but God still wants you clean. To do that, it's just saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've made church. Forgive me for the, my selfish attitude in my role in the church where I've taken it to be all about me. 
not about these other dear precious people that God loves so much that are going through crises and all kinds of stuff that just need a liberating agent called the body of Christ, somebody, a believer, to reach out to them. Are you willing to get clean and empty? And if you are, you are a candidate for the miracle of God. God will take you out. You'll walk out of that crisis, whatever that is, whether you're in one now or you're going to walking towards one or whatever it is, God will take you out of it. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray firstly a prayer to give you a chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Then we're going to have a filling service right here for all of those that are here that want to be filled. If you're a candidate for the pouring out of God's Spirit, then I want you to get in a posture right now. If Jesus is already the Lord of your life, then make Him the Lord by emptying yourself of this world. Make Him the Lord of your life. Lordship means it's not a suggestion. What He tells me to do, I just do it. Smartest choice you'd ever make. Get God into the crisis. Get God into your life. So Father, I thank You right now for everybody that's watching online and everybody that's here right now. If you're here right now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I'll this is your opportunity right now. I want you to just slip your hand up wherever you're at so I can see it. I know who I'm praying for this morning. And we're going to pray with those people online as well. Thanks. Anybody else? Anybody? If you're a candidate, Jesus is not Lord of your life. You put your hand up right now. Let me know. And you can put it back down again. Thank you, Father. We're going to pray this prayer together. If you're watching, I'd like you to invite you to pray this prayer. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your Son, for loving me that much. Jesus, I give you my life. I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.